Welcome to the Queen of Pentacles or Discs, otherwise known as the Queen of the Thrones of Earth, the Queen of Gnomes. <laughs> That's funny that the King Knight figure gets that whole wide and fertile land thing, but the yeah. other courts don't get that. So here she it's is. It's also funny that it's the Thrones, plural, yeah. of Earth instead of the Throne of Earth. Right. Whereas the princess ones are the Throne, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. For what it's worth. Maybe she acquires more territory as she yes. matures. <laughs> well, the word thrones, it's also associated with Bina. So mm, that makes kind of sense. And that angelic her. order yeah. as well. Also, it's worth remembering that queens are, in all traditions of tarot, always seated. You know, even in the Marseille decks, you see that she's considered the seat of power in the, in the sense that you can always find where she is, whereas the kings or knights princes can be on the move, you know, traversing the land, traversing the kingdom, establishing its boundaries, etc. She's always at the heart or center of the kingdom holding down the fort, quite literally. So yeah, she is associated with the watery part of earth. We always talk in courts about what that part means, what abstract qualities it describes. So with the fiery part of Earth, we talked about that spark, the initiatory sort of impulse of life. When we talk about Earth, we're talking about stabilizing and grounding qualities. Yeah, more of a just gestation quality like or nurturing in the sense of steady and, and development rather than initiatory. And then with the watery parts of the element, we look for qualities of fluidity, of um, connecting, I guess, the dissolving and connecting qualities that allow one thing to merge with the next and to find its common aspects. And it's also, if you think about it in terms of, you know, the night being the spark, the fire of water, what's needed to balance that for life, you need the water too, or mm -hmm. else things will just dry up. Yeah, you really need the the quenching powers, the cooling powers, fertilizing powers of water. And as the watery part of Earth, she's also probably the most fertile of queens. Mm -hmm. Not only has the water to irrigate, but the Earth for life to take root in. If you compare her with the other queens, the Queen of Wands, the Queen of Cups, and the Queen of Swords, she is definitely the silent one, <laughs> the quiet yeah. queen, yep. you know, the power to keep silent. And her focus is on those gestational qualities. It's interesting to do the thing where we that we did in the previous courts cards where we contrast watery part of earth to earthy part of water. Mm -hmm. And the earthy part of water would be the page or princess of cups. So she who gives grounding. Yeah, she's like the, the depths of the soul, the soul being, you know, a watery kind of emotional thing, but she's what grounds that. Yeah. And it's sort of like, even though we don't think of our emotions as having really a solidity to them, there's definitely a basis to them. So when we dream or when we journey, when we visit the unconscious, there is a steadiness to that. 
they're they're definite recurring themes and if you go there there's a familiarity about it it's not always different so i think that could speak to the grounded qualities of emotion that we find in the page of princess of cups it's also important i think to contrast the queen of discs with the king of discs just in that it's very easy to start having them sound alike yes oh fertility oh fruition, oh, gestation, oh, this, oh, that, oh, growth, renewal, blah, 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 because they both have a lot of that. But what's the actual difference? So if you think about the knight being associated mainly with the mutable sign and the queen with the cardinal sign, it's almost like he's he's adapting to the changing circumstances that he finds himself in, that it's harvest time, that whatever, it's time, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's more adaptive being mutable. Where she's cardinal, she's more likely to be making things happen. She's setting the agenda. Yeah. 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 And if you think about that in terms of the Northern Hemisphere setting of the year, so in Capricorn, we're looking at seed catalogs. We're sort of dreaming of what it's going to look like. We're not actually doing the planting at that time, whereas his job is to, you know, bring it all in. Hers is to initiate and plan, which is, you know, very Capricornian qualities. Mm -hmm. And as to that time of year, it's a really interesting and potent time of year being the winter solstice, Mm -hmm. solstice, summer solstice in in the Southern Hemisphere. But, you know, here with the winter solstice, the days get shorter and shorter and shorter Mm -hmm. and darker and darker. And then there's the increase of light. So there's there's a lot of um, dualities and polarities within her that speak to that darkness and light, you know, the opposites. And Capricorn itself is a dual sign, being being a goatfish uh, being. But, you know, looking at all our symbolism, there's a lot of, there's climb and descent, there's light and dark, there's, you know, there's all these opposing themes, mm-hmm. cycles, you know. Absolutely. There's a lot of up and down going on here, which is appropriate for the goat, which climbs. Deserts and oasises, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. extremes. Um, yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, we're going from mutable fire, the end of the fire cycle to the beginning of the earth cycle. So there's that carrying of the light yeah. again. Endings and beginnings. There's there's a lot of themes of, of dualities here. Right. And I think one of the things... I'd like to kind of touch on uh, throughout this episode is the connection with Dionysus more generally. Now, we talked about Dionysus a bit in the sacrificial king aspects, but because of the connection with the goat, Mm -hmm. you know, and the pan figures, Mm -hmm. I think that this one in particular kind of references that story in a pretty cohesive way. Mm -hmm. The idea of the actual act of the son's birth and death being sort of included in here. Yeah, this is... We've got the last day of the calendar year and the first day of the new calendar year, too. So more last and first birth and death type of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting that that we have, you know, both the sort of um, natural changes 
in the cycle, as well as the political or, you know, cultural changes in the cycle kind of all coinciding in her three decans. If we talk about those decans, I kind of went back to Agrippa and the Picatrix to see what was going on in those decans. And the that 10 of 1 Sagittarius decans is literally about like murder and death. <laughs> and then the first two Capricorn decans are about gaining and losing. You remember that from the two of discs episode and seeking after what cannot be known. So there's like this sort of like, okay, one thing dies and another is beginning to be born, but it's not clear yet how it's going to all come together. Oh, and the other thing is that there's a Saturn connection because the mm. shadow decan is Saturn and Sagittarius, 10 of wands. Right. And then we have the two Capricorn decans, which are ruled by Saturn. So there's definitely a quality, a Saturnian quality to this queen, which is interesting because I think not just of the restrictive qualities of Saturn that we've spoken about at great length, but also the fact that he was a god of abundance in his own right at one time, a harvest god, a sacrificial god, yeah. too. Yeah, definitely. There's something in the hymn to Kronos that I was thinking about when I was looking at the Saturn connections, because Kronos, of course, is our equivalent for Saturn in Greek. And there's a line in there, which you'll remember about the unbreakable bonds. Desmus arectus hoseches kata peirona cosmon. So that has to do with this god holds the unbreakable bonds that hold the earth together. And I think there are themes of like binding and you know, the secret roots of seeds growing in the earth that you can't see, you yep. know, before before any visible growth. It also ties into the myth of Dionysus with his generative, unstoppable force. There's the myth of him, you know, being hijacked at sea or kidnapped at sea and the vines grow over the boat, be calming it in the water and and the pirates turn into dolphins. I don't know, this sort of like, transactions of matter, binding of matter, different things going on between the forces of matter in a really quite magical way that speaks to me both of the Dionysus Pan thing and the devil himself, the lord of the gates of matter. So so we have these 10 of wands to two and three of discs. That's also the temperance card leading to the devil card. I see a lot in this card too about the Persephone story. I kind of see her as Persephone all grown up. You know, <laughs> I can see that. So she has that queen of the underworld quality. Yeah, exactly. She has that connection with death and, and winter. And, you know, Persephone was responsible for things dying because she mm -hmm. ate of the seed. That's right. But also responsible for them coming back to life through her mother's intervention. But after, you know, she had to grow up sometime and... Yeah, Here she is. <laughs> yeah, that's that myth is really interesting to consider also in the context of um I hadn't thought of this till just now. Uh, the temperance or art card is the maturation of the lovers card. It is, mm -hmm. you know, that wedding, the alchemical wedding. Yep. So that could be her as her wedding to Hades and then, you know, the devil is the lord of Tartarus, her rulership of the underworld. Yeah, yep. Which is really interesting to think about. Um it's also a, a transition from a Jupiter to a Saturn ruled sign. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And then in Aquarius to Pisces, we'll get from a Saturn to a Jupiter ruled sign. So we have that reversal, um, that res reversal 
from Jupiter, Saturn, uh, Saturn, Jupiter, going from Sagittarius to Capricorn, then Aquarius to Pisces in traditional rulership. It's kind of interesting, too, because in the Ten of Wands, we have a Jupiter-ruled sign and the Deccan ruled by Saturn. When in the very next of her Deccans, we have the Saturn-ruled sign with the Jupiter ruling yes. of the Deccan. So again, we have that Saturn-Jupiter. It's like they're switching to, places. And, and they're very opposite in nature, Saturn and Jupiter in a way, you know? Yeah. Expansive and, and, and restrictive. Yeah, that's interesting. We talked about that a uh, little bit in the Two of Discs, but we never sort of made the... I didn't make the connection that the Ten of Wands leads right into the Two of Discs like that. So we see that, you know, malefic in a benefic ruled sign, Saturn and Sagittarius, the the malefic dominates, right? You have that oppression, that heaviness, that sort of struggling to breathe. Whereas in the Jupiter ruled decan of the, the benefic in a malefic ruled sign, the Jupiter ruled decan of Saturn ruled Capricorn, the two of discs, you see the Jupiter gaining force and allowing things to expand and move and change. So it's also interesting to think about, you know, the way these traditional rulerships work is that there's a reason why Jupiter and Saturn ruled signs are on this end of the year, where opposite the luminaries, the signs of the luminaries in Leo and Cancer. So we're as far away in Capricorn as we can be. So the end of Capricorn goes into Aquarius, the end of Cancer goes into Leo. We're as far as we can be from that ascent of the sun. The the transition from Capricorn to Aquarius is the heart of Saturn's rulership and Saturn and the sun are opposed, they're enemies, in a sense. So, you know, Saturn, darkness, underworld, limits, frontiers, <laughs> you know, all of those uh, powers of darkness are, belong to this queen, which is pretty cool when you think about it. Also, Deccan-wise, we talked about in the Ten of Wands episode, this Deccan in 36 heirs is associated with Ananke, goddess Ananke, um, mm-hmm. consort of Kronos, parents of Phanes, the light bringer. Mm-hmm. Now, Phanes, the light bringer. Fate and necessity. Exactly. Phanes is the figure we're talking about. Um, so yeah, fate and necessity give rise to Phanes, who is the, what, who we're talking about when we talk about the cosmic egg, the winged egg, also known as the Orphic egg, also equated with Dionysus. So, uh, in the, in the mystery tradition of Dionysus, he is known as the twice born because he was killed. We should call it the six degrees of the Orphic <laughs> egg because everything is connected to everything the Orphic is. egg eventually. Everything <laughs> is. Exactly. So, you know, Fanes was, I guess it was one of those Herazus problems again where, uh, Fanes, Lightbringer Dionysus, Phanes was sacrificed, killed off by Titans at Hera's request, and then the heart was rescued by Athena, given to Zeus, who put it in Semele, impregnated Semele, who then gave birth to Dionysus. Dionysus then killed again, and then sewn into Zeus's thigh and reborn. So, you know, this is the god of Doing the that. twice parents. <laughs> at least. Because <laughs> over and over this story happens to Fanes the Lightbringer. So um so yeah, so we go in these decans from the goddess Ananke and the, you know, um 
the connection with Phanes, to in the next decan, Asclepius, and then Hygieia, Hygieia. So there's a sort of like healing and, mm-hmm. you know, and health. Healing and health, mm-hmm, yeah. That, that come out of this story, ultimately. So uh, sacrifice, regeneration, fertility, resurrection, all of those things are connected here. If you think about Ten of Wands giving way to two or three of discs, it's sort of like, I think of the Ten of Wands as that endless to-do list, you know, that burdens you. Yeah. And whereas it's sort of like, if you simply turn that around, you it's sort of like the two and three of discs are that constructive, I'm building something, I'm excited to make something, I'm, you know, taking the initiative, it's no longer just an endless list of responsibilities when i wrote a little bit about this card once on my website i Mm -hmm. called this card the the climb and the descent or the descent and the climb because in the 10 of discs there's that heaviness there's that sinking there's that you know you reach that low point right before the winter solstice and then in the two and three of discs there's this this idea of climbing and building and growth and and yeah yeah. Mo- upward mobility. The upward mobility of the goat. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 You know, because that's what they do. They climb and that's their, their specialty and their ability, which is, of course, connected with the devil card. Uh, the pan figure who is associated with Dionysus. Dionysus's sacred animal was the goat. And in fact, interestingly enough, the word tragedy, um, is basically means goat song has to do with themes of sacrifice, sacrificial goat type thing. And Interesting in that mm-hmm. the goat also has to do, and the devil has to do with mirth. So mm-hmm. there's tragedy and mirth, you know, comedy and tragedy. Again, yeah, two opposites. Right. That's right. We keep finding opposites in this card everywhere I look. There's also a myth of Dionysus where goats are sacred to Dionysus because he metamorphosed into a goat when Typhon attacked the gods. And... There's also a a legend of the pan figure having a she-goat as a wet nurse, something like Actually, that. Actually, I read the same thing, but that mm-hmm. it was Zeus who had a wet nurse of a she-goat called Amalthea. Okay, that's probably right, because I only have a couple of, like, very scribbled notes here. So, yeah. so you Zeus found... Is, I found that Zeus's wet nurse, Amalthea, was a she-goat and eventually turned into a goddess or human, but um was gotcha. was at first his... As a, in her goat form, as um, the suckler of Zeus, the infant. That's cool. So you know, I often write spells when I get this card, where I call her the Goat Queen, and it's really not an insult. <laughs> you no, know? not at all. But again, we see, as we saw in the last card, this predominance of horned animals. Did you go into the symbol dictionary for goat stuff? I sure did. Yeah, yeah, as did I. As one does. There's some some interesting things in there. One of the things I saw in there that sounded pretty interesting in relation to this card is that the Sanskrit word for she-goat means not born. And so it mentioned that the goat as a symbol of like primordial matter, matter Mm -hmm. about to come into existence. Oh, that's perfect for this time of year. For the Orphic Egg and all all that. Yeah, Yeah, it kind of calls that all... um, all to mind and uh, it it mentioned you know the the she goat as the mother of the world and attributed red white and black the three colors or the three gunas mm-hmm. the, the building blocks of creation um with this uh she goat figure mm-hmm. as well as lightning it was associated with lightning as well which seems kind of jupiterian 
Yeah, it does. And as the um, wet nurse of Zeus, again, that's Jupiter. So there's a lot of Jupiter as well as Saturn in this card. Right. Right, which makes sense with that final decade. Yeah. And if you think about goat fish, the fish as Pisces, you know, Jupiter's ruling Pisces. So again, mm-hmm. there's another Jupiter-Saturn connection. The reference there is that the the Capricornus figure was not, you know, even though we talk about goat, it was also basically an aquatic animal. So yeah, it had the with four a fish body tail. of a goat and a tail of a fish. Yeah. In fact, if you think about it, both Sagittarius and Capricorn are kind of mythical animals that we don't see elsewhere in the Zodiac. We don't... We have real things in you know the what's rest. another Jupiter-Saturn connection? <laughs> what? <that>? Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> the old man. The yes, jolly old man. The jolly old man <laughs> whose name uh, is an anagram for Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, in fact, his time of year, yes, I guess. It yeah. is. <laughs> and we haven't even bothered to mention, you know, the birth of Christ is... Dionysus figure, yep. you know, those things are tied together at yep, some all there. archetypal level. And again, like in the last card and in the next card, there's a bit of the Mithras uh, mythology because mm-hmm. um, Mithras was also given December 25th as his birthday. I think of the art or temperance or alchemy card as kind of conception. And then, you know, the seed grows in darkness for harvest. You know, so we're in the cardinal end. Of the sign, and then the, the seed can be harvested on the mutable end of the sign. You know, there's a relationship there as well. The The child can be born, the seed can be harvested. So when you go from um, temperance to the devil, you go from uh, the secret fertilized ovum to its gestation in darkness. The Kabbalistic correspondences, we have Bina in Asiya. And as you mentioned before, all queens contain their corresponding minor card. So in the sense that they're associated with twos and threes because they're cardinal, but also they are associated with bina, and so are threes. So the three of pentacles or discs, known as the Lord of Work, has kind of a special connection to the queen. I think that that makes sense in the sense that bina is understanding and Asiya is the material world. We talk about the difference between Chokmah and Bina as being sort of the flash of insight versus the received understanding, the sort of when you take it in and understand it for yourself. Um, there's more of a divine inspiration quality to Chokmah and more of a sort of like, now I get it quality to Bina. And as far as the Queen of Pentacles goes with Bina and Asiya, you know, there's that quality of building to it, which reminds me of the way that when a, when a mother is pregnant, she's building the fetus with the cells of her own body. You know, there's that sort of like uh, construction from within quality. The will to form. The will to form, exactly. This queen out of all the four queens also seems the most Bina-like to me. You know, that that dark mother quality. The connection with Saturn. The connection with Saturn, the um, 
the vice and virtue of Bina being silence and avarice seem like two qualities yes. of hers more than the other queens, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, an ill-dignified queen of discs is going to hold on to her shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What you were saying, too, about the, the mother building the baby with the cells of her own body, it also reminded me of how when a woman has is pregnant with a girl child, all mm. the eggs are contained nesting doll already inside the you know and it goes on yeah. and on. so can you can trace it back through the generations like you were you were an egg inside of your grandmother's belly or whatever mm-hmm. because you were inside the your mother's belly inside the grandmother's belly exactly and that whole exactly. mother daughter connection thing that yeah 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 there's something very matrilineal and yin about this card also in the sort of opposition to the sun as a paternal patriarchal figure. And of course, the literal demonization of women as the devil. <laughs> right. In terms of the cardomantic equivalents, there's again that sort of confusion of diamonds and clubs. So, you know, there is a way of looking at this as the Rachel figure in the Bible, but I'm going to go with the other possibility, which is the figure Argene, which is something you see in Solabusca. And some people say that that is an anagram of Regina, meaning queen, which is, you know, fair enough, doesn't really give you that much. Some people say that she was the queen of Argos, you know, which is Didn't interesting. did also see their queen of the fae? Exactly. Queen yeah. Argea, queen of the fae. And that I really like that one best of all, because she was associated, Queen Argea, with riverbanks, and she was the fairy queen of fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? there's fate again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, and I also like that because, you know, she's sort of positioned between water and earth, you know, and this is the card of the watery part of earth. There's that sort of connection between the dark world and the light mm. that I like about that. Supposedly, you Underground could... Underground springs. Yeah. Supposedly, you could apply to the queen of the fae to grant wishes. Um, and then um, I also saw a connection with that. Argea or was it Argea or Argea? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that queen of the phase also was associated with another similarly named Argante, mm. queen of Avalon, healer of Arthur cool. in the legends. But then also with Morgana Le Fay, the, you know, yeah. the, the dark one. Yeah, and that's really interesting because all of these words with the arg prefix are associated with silver. They're very lunar, lunar as opposed to the sun, as opposed to solar. So you have both the queen of discs as a lunar figure herself. Uh, you have the moon and fall in Capricorn. You have the, the juxtaposition with the niter king of discs, who is a solar figure. You have that sort of darkness as opposed to light thing going on with the underworld. So... There's a otherworldly quality to her. She's associated with the uncertain and the unknown and the far away, I guess. Let's see. Uh, what did Atea say about her? He said he seems to have really focused on the, the disky part, the pentacles and money kind of thing with her. A dark-haired woman, wealth, riches, pomp, luxury, liberty, which makes you think of the devil. But in reversal, doubting, uncertainty, disquiet, fear, timidity, which again is more the silence Mm, side of things, you would think. And where was it? I know you probably saw this same, that in um, some of the older decks, this card was called Faithlessness. Oh, really? I'm not sure I saw that, but okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which makes you think of Morgana Le Fay aspect. Sure does. Yeah. You know, the opposite end of the coin, as they say. <laughs> um, she's also said to have greatness of soul. So the, again, yeah, there's again, those, those two opposites. polar opposites. Right. She's very two-faced, just like Janice that is the god of the crossroads there that uh, yeah. at the beginning and the end of the year, that's also in her her um, time period. Yeah, and also when you think about the art card or the temperance card, that's a card of that's merging another, of opposites. That's another two-faced yeah. character in a way. Exactly, exactly. We don't think of it so much in the Rider-Waite-Smith book. Uh, card, but it's definitely there in the esoteric symbolism. It's there that, in the Thoth card. The being absolutely. has two halves of the face. Yeah, yeah, the, the lunar and, and solar. The light. Yep, yep. So, shall we look at Wade Smith? Sure. Alrighty. She's encased in this sort of like uh, frame of roses, and we've talked about roses before, of course, as the red rose in particular, as representing, you know, Venusian, as representing life and carnality and passion. Mm -hmm. I've also seen it, you know, um, as the microcosm as opposed to the lily being the macrocosm. Yeah, and as evolution itself, Mm. the symbol of the rose unfolding. Yeah, and that gestational quality that she has. She's wearing like that combination of red and white, which mm-hmm. you sometimes see in Wade Smith. That's, you see it in, interestingly enough, in the magician and the hierophant, the white sleeves and the red overgarment. Kirtle? Is that what that's called? Kirtle, like, uh, kirtle of spring green. Um, I've heard that term, but I'm, I'm not sure what it is exactly. I always thought it was cognate with skirt. <laughs> oh, maybe it is. I know oh, yeah. it's like an overgarment of some yeah. sort that goes over an undergarment of some other sort. <laughs> <laughs> you so, got to ask the Renaissance Fair people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just jotted down some associations with white and red here, where white is initiation, day, standing apart, mourning. Interestingly, that's mm-hmm. an Asian thing. Red, lifeblood, fire, passion, carnality. So... You know, again, she sort of uh, stands at the union of those opposites. She is clothed in life while maintaining a connection to another world. Uh, and you know what's interesting is that she's got that downward gaze, same as the kind of the Queen of Cups, you know, mm-hmm. both of those queens have in really Rider focused Smith. on her element. Yeah. You know, on the emblem of her element. She's really looking at that coin. <laughs> yeah. And when or you pentacle. think about it, the Queens of Pentacles and Cups both are focused downward and inward, whereas the Queens of Wands and Swords are outward. And- well, no, the Queen of Wands is looking inward as well. I mean, she's like, her face is yeah, forward, been, right? She's not like... Yeah. 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 So there's that. Um, in yours, she's definitely much and, and more... And in the Thoth, I'm, yeah. thinking of, I'm thinking of those more than the Rider-Waite. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. They're definitely much more inward quality. But in, in Rider-Waite-Smith, the two sort of masculine, quote-unquote, queens have have that gaze, upward and outward gaze, whereas the two, quote-unquote, feminine queens have the downward, inward mm. gaze. And... What Wheat says about her is she contemplates her symbol and may see worlds therein. <laughs> it kind of speaks to her kind of world building qualities. You know? I think so, right? She has that sort of like, this is my seed, this is my egg, anything could be in it. I don't know what's going on with her crown. I was going to ask you, I can't tell what is on top of it. Yeah, it's really hard to see. 
you know, it looks like just a little knob with wings on it. I was sort of thinking it, that could be like Fane's, the, you know, Orphic Egg yeah, reference. It's something with wings. I mean, if you go by the court crest, it's supposed to be a goat with wings, but it certainly doesn't look like anything, really. Just something with wings. Yeah, seriously. I asked Zoe what it was, and she said, it's a chicken. <laughs> It does kind of look like a chicken. It could be a chicken. Who knows? Yeah, it's a funny one. I, I don't really know what's going on with that. Uh, you notice that she has the green sort of uh, veil going, mm-hmm. yep. you know, which is a color of Venus. She is, uh, you know, you can you can make an argument for her as Taurus as well as Capricorn. Uh, but certainly Venus in terms of like the propagation of life. And I think it's a goat on the arm of her yes. her throne, but is there also a bull on the side of it, or is that also a goat? It almost looks bullish. I don't know what I'm seeing there. Yeah, it's very you mean hard. On the side? It's hard to make out if yeah. if that's a goat or a bull. But the one in the fore on the arm definitely is a goat. definitely a goat, but the mm-hmm. it looks a little different, more bull like to me on the I'm not sure what I'm seeing there. Is that That's a baby head. A baby head with horns? Oh, it does it have horns? Does it have horns? It almost looks like it has curling horns. It but could have horns. It almost looks like it has a crescent on its brow, a, a downward crescent. But it's hard to say. You know what's interesting? I was just asked, wondering what you thought about that because all of the queens except the Queen of Wands and Rider Waite-Smith have a baby head on the throne. Yeah. Is that fertility? Must be. Baby maker? I guess so. I don't know. It's weird, right? Because in in the Queen of Swords, when we think of the baby as having to do with like truth and innocence and purity kind yeah. of a thing, rather than, you know, a, a motherhood theme. Yeah. It's interesting that we see them on those three thrones. And then there's an awful lot of fruit carved into this. Yeah. Apples and pears or oranges and pears or something. Yeah. They look like pears to me or the bottoms of pears or could be other apples and pears. Definitely more qualities of fecundity and ripeness. Um, and she's got mushrooms by her feet, just like <laughs> just like the king does. <laughs> Definitely the same thing, whatever it is. Yeah. I say they're shrooms. They could be. They have the color of Boletus edulis. Which would be why she's seeing worlds within the <laughs> disc. <laughs> you would too. <laughs> yeah, I, I never really noticed the fruit until doing this kind of close look at it. But it makes sense because she is in a way, you know, the most fertile queen. I often see her and as being a form of the And you do see the bunny rabbit, which is obvious fertility symbol. Absolutely. The bunny rabbit... As well as being lunar. ...is very lunar. And I did a little bit of looking into that. You know, lunar, they're lunar, they're fast, they're prolific, they're fertile. But also there is the uh, the myth of Osiris as a hare or a rabbit being dismembered and thrown into the Nile for renewal. I mean, I always thought that was just an Osiris myth generally, but apparently there's a rabbit element to it as well. I've heard that rabbits may be animals of Hecate, which kind of makes sense as well. You know, yeah, I think above all, the, the message is one of prolific <laughs> production, yes, reproduction. reproduction. We see that over and over. Skills. Yeah, we see it in pretty much everything in this card is pointing to her. Plus, that's the kind of thing you'd wear if you were pregnant. Yeah, she's definitely a matriarch in every sense of the word. And also those qualities of silence are Mm -hmm. also, you know, kind of implicated in gestation, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I thought maybe the, you know, the fruit on the throne could be a tree of life reference, a sort of an Mm -hmm. Eve 
eating or the, you know, eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge could be as well. I don't know. The picture of abundance that we see in the in the Queen and King of Pentacles in Wade Smith is subtly different, right? The King is definitely associated with the wine side of the harvest. And she's, you know, seems to be more associated with the flower and fruiting side of mm. um, he's more about, you know, the death. <laughs> and she's more about the growing life. Then mm. we've also got those two mountains behind her. Maybe a connection to the daughter, Malkut. Could be. And the earth symbol in general. Mm-hmm. I always like getting this card, although it's, you know, not one I see often. I yeah, think it's I like really it beautiful. Uh, yeah, I find it I find it a positive feeling most mm-hmm. of the time. It seems to be just sort of quiet and peaceful. Whereas the Thoth card is a sort of more, I don't know, there's a magnetism and darkness to it, I think. Definitely a magnetism. Yeah. Yeah. She is um, described she as having like a very powerful ruler. She sure know? does. Yeah, she she's described as having the horns of the markhor, which is a wild goat. Um, and I read somewhere that markhor translates to snake eater. Does so it? again That's we cool. have that snake eating, just like in the king. That is really cool. I did not know that. So this is a goat that eats snakes, for real? Apparently. They do eat anything. That's wicked cool. It's also famous for the thing that people know about markhors, if they know anything, is that in the winter, it develops this white hair mm-hmm. that is, I guess, valued. Yeah. Probably and they're, from a darker color. <laughs> oh, and this is this is interesting. They're known for breeding in winter. Oh, there you go. So there you go. Capricorn, gestational themes, et cetera, yep. et cetera. The horns, in this case, too, being very large they're so cool which is a sign of fertility you know yeah big horns yes Yes, indeed (laughs) natural selection the bigger horned ones would um win (laughs) oh what big horns you have grandma (laughs) what crowley says about it is represents passivity usually in its highest aspect throned upon the life of vegetation she's the one who's well, it's interesting. It's, it, this is similar to something we see in Rider Wade Smith with the Queen of Cups and Queen of Discs, uh, Queen of Pentacles there. That in those we talked about their faces being turned down in Crowley, those faces are harder to see, the Queen of Cups and the Queen of Discs as well. Well, what's really interesting about the Queen of Discs is she's her description when you read her description in the, you know, Golden mm-hmm. Dawn traditional description, she's the only one that's just depicted in profile specifically and it ties into that whole light and darkness thing because one side of her face is in darkness and one side is in the light and you can only see the light side it's kind of like the moon which that sounds very lunar because one face Mm -hmm. of the moon is always turned to light and one face side of the moon is always turned to darkness right right and that's why you have her also uh turned in profile on yours yeah and i like that in this one you see the the river winding through the desert, that mm-hmm. sort of watery part of Earth again. And it's really the beginnings of something. It feels more like a beginning than the Wade Smith one, which where everything is sort of in the peak of ripeness. But this is seems to have more to do with what Crowley says. He says that she represents the ambition of matter to take part in the great work of creation. And she does have that look like she's 
kind of planning it all out. And that's very much in tune with the devil card. Yeah. You know, the devil card, its instinct is just to t- create, you know, that mm-hmm. that unstoppable instinctual force. That's right. That's right. And she's holding this orb, which to me looks a great deal like the seed, the of, seed life. of life. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought too. Yeah. He doesn't mention it or anything. No, but he doesn't, but that's it clearly, what it, it, right? It, that's what it looks like. Yeah. The seed of life. Great big giant seed bomb. <laughs> yeah, and it's got 13 rings, which 13 seems like a very feminine lunar number. You know, the 13 months yeah. of the lunar calendar, the, um, 13th path being the priestess card, which is the moon. And yeah. so there's something very lunar about 13. That makes sense. Also, she's got that scepter, which is a cube, and within it is a 3D hexagram. Mm-hmm. So that makes you think, okay, so when we talk about the ambition of matter to take part in the great work of creation, you know, that hexagram can represent the great work as above, so below, mm-hmm. the the union of divine and 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 human, but the cube of uh, of matter around right. it, you know, is the material world that Asiya quality that she's like saying, well, this is my world that I'm in, but I have this impulse to create that's encased within it. It's also very sun and earth, you know? Yeah. The hexagram, sun, the cube, earth, and mm-hmm. sun and earth, and behind her is the desert. Mm-hmm. But yet she brings <laughs> the water to the desert so that these oasises can spring up. And and all is not just baked hard, you know. Yeah. The crystalline, we've talked about this before, and I can't remember what we said, but isn't the crystalline structure of salt cubic? Yeah. Yeah. Is. So that is kind of like a salt cube. Um, and of course, Bina salt. I know because I have a salt lamp and it breeds crystals all over the counter. <laughs> it does. When it's humid out, it, it melts a little. And then when the air dries out, they turn into it. So that my, they shed my little counter cubes. has little cubes all over it around the salt lamp. It's that is kind of cool. cool. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's also something that we can associate with her. Her armor is said to be all little, little coins or scales. And I love that she's... Got a throne that looks like a giant pineapple. <laughs> I love that throne. It's just a, such a cool looking card. It's really cool too. The the pineapple, you know, the meaning of pineapple. Mm-hmm. Um, hospitality. Yeah, which is hospitality, which I've always thought of this queen as being, you know, a provider of hospitality. Like she's the hostess you want at your Christmas party, right? For sure. <laughs> but, you know, pine apples, of course, are named after pine cones because they have that structure. And what is pine cone is associated with the thyrsus, the right. wand of Dionysus, right. takes us back to that myth as well. Right. The perpetuity of plant life. And there was mm-hmm. a story, too, I read looking up stuff about pineapples that, um, you know, because they came from so far away they came from the new world and mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't transport well so to have a pineapple was a symbol of wealth yes as well as hospitality and sometimes the sea captains it said they would take the pineapple and spear it onto the fence post to show people that they were home from their travels and welcoming visitors oh, so, that's cool yeah that's cool yeah so that seems very um that seems appropriate also very Jupiter Saturn, you know, Jupiter mm-hmm. is being out on the world and travels and then Saturn is being back home and uh, in, yeah, in your in your place as well as thorny exterior and juicy Jupiter yes. inside, <laughs> right. Right. sweetness inside prickles. Yeah, prickles outside. And it looks like her dress has those same interlocking ring design. She's also very worldly, you mm-hmm. know, of all of them. She's 
has, you can see her a lot of different ways as an earth mother. You can see her as a hostess, but she also has that, you know, sophisticated quality about her. Sophisticated, yet also practical. Yeah. You know, hardworking and quiet and I guess domestic, you could, mm-hmm. you could even say. Yeah. But then Crowley specifically mentions that she can also be lustful and debauched. Um, <laughs> she probably because of her the, luxuries. Probably because of the goat, uh, influence. Mm-hmm. So sophisticated, not in the sense of like the Queen of Swords who will, you know, dominate a conversation with her cleverness, but, you know, in the sense that she likes the finest of things. She also has a real severity to her as well, even though mm-hmm. she's she's also, you know, that she, she can be passive and nurturing, but she also has a side that's really severe, I think. I think that's true. And that comes across much more in the in the Thoth version than in mm. the Wade Smith, I think. It makes sense that she should have some severity just with the Saturn and Saturn and Mars, you know, on either side of that uh, Jupiter mm-hmm. Deccan. The way Capricorn energy is very striving, sometimes there's a ruthlessness to that. Sort of like a, you know, quiet strategizing (laughs) kind of thing going on, tactician. The hexagram associated with it is the the lake trigram over the mountain trigram. Yeah, water over earth. Exactly. Which is uh, called xian, which is... X-I-A-N, and that is sometimes uh, described as mutual influence. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea of the lake trigram over the mountain trigram, they often describe these hexagrams in terms of uh, family relationships, who marries who. So youngest daughter, oldest daughter. This one is the youngest daughter marrying the youngest son it's said to be. And there's supposed to be an enthusiasm about that, you know, a sort of appropriateness and enthusiasm of newlyweds associated with this um, hexagram. And that kind of makes sense in terms of like the alchemical wedding and the sort of conception qualities that go along with this card. Yeah, I saw another name for it besides influence was Mm -hmm. um, something like Something to do with wooing, the wooing initiative yeah, or something like that. attraction like, and wooing, courtship. Yeah, the idea of drawing towards you that which you desire. That sounds very Lord of the Gates of Matter. <laughs> yeah, going forward, quietly persevering to get what you desire and, and draw it draw it to you, which kind of makes sense for, you know, Capricorn as the, mm-hmm. the sign that says, I use. Mm-hmm. It, it wants to draw the, the resources to itself. Yeah, it makes you think of in the Thoth card when you see her looking out of the, out over the river. You just know that that river is going to be used for irrigation. Yeah. <laughs> the geomantic figure associated with Capricorn, although he doesn't talk about it, is Carcer, mm. which again I guess speaks to the gestational qualities, the enclosure. So Carcer, prison, Saturn, yeah. Capricorn. Uh, as far as way as you binding, can be from the yes. light and liberty of the sun, binding exactly yep. and holding things together, the confinement of the womb, mm-hmm. literal confinement. Yep. So Carcer is one dot, two dot, two dot, one dot, and the opposite is is conjunctio, which we just saw in the yep. kings. So they kind of go together. Yep. Yeah, the divinatory meanings of Carcer I have here in John Michael Greer's book is solidity, restriction, delay, binding, imprisonment. 
generally inf- unfavorable, <laughs> but favorable for questions involving stability or security. Mm, like being in the womb. Like being in the womb, exactly. You, Although you can see why I thought of cancer, because yeah, the enclosure. The enclosed shell, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Okay, let's see. Uh, anything else to say about Thoth? The only thing I noticed is when I was looking at those um, oasises with the uh, date palms, they all seem to be in groups of Three, mostly, although there's a two and a one, and I'm wondering if that's any... It makes me think of the Supernals and the Desert of the Abyss and, and, you know... Yeah. And and all that. Big time. All right, shall we move on to Tabula Mundi? Yep. Love the goat. There he is. Yeah. Court crest time. Yeah. Totally love her Art Deco uh, headgear that you gave her. I know. I kind of want one of those. Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised I don't have one already. Yeah. I used to make stuff like that. Did you really? I'm surprised I don't have one. Oh, that's wicked cool. Beaded jewelry. Yeah. Beaded headgear. Mm hmm. All -hmm. right. Here she is, the queen of the thrones of Earth, a woman of beautiful face with dark hair seated upon a throne beneath which is dark sandy earth. One side of her face is light, the other dark. Her symbolism is best represented in profile. Her attire is similar to that of the Queen of Wands, but she bears a winged goat's head as a crest. A goat is by her side. In one hand, she bears a scepter surmounted by a cube, in the other, an orb of gold. Beautiful. What's behind the goat horns there? Are those the hammers of Sagittarius? That's the Mm -hmm. uh, hammer and chisel of the Ten of Wands card, her shadow decan. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And the goat head has a third eye. um, Yeah, he sure does. Or a bindi. Yeah. (laughs) Goat head bindi. Just for the devil, you know, in his A and I Mm -hmm. uh, symbolism. And also kind of a reference, so... In the Golden Dawn's description of this area of the Zodiac, they specifically mentioned that her domain constellation-wise includes the constellation Aquila, the eagle. Something to do with the fact that the eagle has the long view, you know, like she takes the lofty, long, detached view of these practical situations. Yeah, for sure she does. And you've got the mountains here as well. Yeah, we've got the Twin Mountains, Mm -hmm. that's... From the the Twin Mountains and the Hourglass are um, from the Two of Two mm-hmm. of Discs card, and also from the Devil card because that's where the two got it from. So there's kind of like a, a trail through there, and both the Hourglass and the the Mountains. I mean, if you go back and listen to the Two of Discs episodes, you'll see that they both kind of express that polarity of empty and full, light and dark, expansion, contraction, climbing and descent, mm-hmm. all those polarities that Jupiter, are Saturn that type part of her nature, mm-hmm. her light face and her dark face are kind of like Isis Nephthys, you know, the, yeah. the light twin yeah. and the dark sister, light sister and dark sister. The disc that she holds is uh, a reference to the three of discs, which has these three alchemical symbols on the card. Salt, sulfur, mercury. Yeah, mm-hmm. mercury, sulfur, and salt. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when we looked up goat symbolism, how the goat was associated with the three gunas and with yeah. the colors red, white, and black for the three elements. Yeah. Light, dark, and the red of life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Although there is a preponderance of black in your card, which I think of as the Bina Saturn yeah, kind definitely. of thing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I love all the buttons on her dresses. <laughs> it just seems so very prim and Capricorn. You know, yeah. Capricorn seems like it's all buttoned up in in a sense and, and 
kind of proper Plus sexy discs. sexy in a proper way you know what i mean mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. just they just looked so yeah. capricorny to me that i was like yeah she she's got to be wearing that <laughs> yeah and pearls of some kind i guess yeah are those pearls around the um roses as well Yep. So roses, of course, are uh, something we also associate with this figure. The lustiness of the goat and just the... It's kind of secret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's all buttoned up, but she's also a very passionate yeah. woman underneath all those buttons. Sub Rosa. And the whole binary thing, I was thinking about that and the devil himself as Baphomet. Wasn't Baphomet a binary figure because he was he, he had... Dark and light? Kind of thing. Uh, well, that too, but also he had both male and female. Oh, yeah. He had mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. male and female physical parts. attributes. <laughs> yes. Parts is parts. So he was he was like a a kind of uh, two-faced character as well. What kind of horns did you model her horns on? Do you remember? Mm, I can't remember. They're cool. They look like goat horns. Definitely goat some horns. type of, of mountain goat. They look kind of heavy. Yeah. Maybe not as heavy as not the one as, on not Thoth. Not as heavy as the one on Thoth, yeah. yeah. Those ones look like really heavy. But she also has that same sort of slightly forward attentive posture that we see on the Wade Smith one. You know, yep. sort of like she's concentrating very hard on something. Yeah, exactly. On her next step, probably. <laughs> on the on the on the many worlds she sees <laughs> after she's had her right. mushrooms. And there's yeah. something about her shadow side we should probably mention because mm-hmm. we haven't talked a lot about that mm. and i think it's important that's because a good point she's got a lot of really great qualities but her shadow side is that ten of wands oppression which means that she can if she gives into that and becomes overly domineering and and oppressive and tyrannical mm-hmm. it'll undo all her good work of everything mm. she's tried to build mm. yeah i think of her as having really you know those two sides to the approach to a chore, you know, when a ch- when is a chore not a chore, <laughs> you know, when you actually want to do it, right? But it can, or when is when is a joy not a joy when somebody tells you you have to? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that sort of quality of forcing it is something we see in the Ten of Wands, pushing you past yeah, your there, limits. There's, yeah, there's a danger there having to do with forced obligation, for sure. There's definitely that aspect of Saturn in that card, the sort of imprisonment the and forcing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of you just having to do it. And, you know, when you think of other Saturn cards, you think of like, the Three of Swords, you have kind of that mental realization of limits, but not being forced to do something in the same way. You know, um, the Saturn in, in Pisces is, a, is sort of a, in, uh, the Eight of Cups is more of a walking away from emotional overburdening. But, you know, that heaviness and just pushy quality of Saturn, I think of as being a real Ten of Wands thing. Mm. I trying to think what's what do we have for Saturn discs? Seven. Seven is the discs one. And again, that's kind of more slowness and waiting. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, but the, the tyranny of Saturn shows up in the Ten of Wands. Then we've got, you know, just the hourglass itself, the idea of time. We talked a little bit about time and necessity and time mm-hmm. and Saturn and Kronos and, right. and all that. Right. Right. And what I just noticed, just because we have all the three cards lined up right now, is that um mm-hmm. The Rider Wait one has two mountains just like this one does. And it I, does. I didn't. Not conscious? I wasn't, I wasn't drawing on Rider Wait at all <laughs> when those went in there. <laughs> it's 
Cool. We think about Saturn as sort of the master of the end of space and time. And she looks at, though she's at the outer extremity of space where blackness is beyond, and then you have the hourglass reminding you it's all almost over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as well. There and the is. mountain had to be in there. Just the idea of the goat as the steady climber, you know? Now, steady, methodical, persevering, sure-footed. Colors? Well, all the court cards... Mm-hmm. Aren't really oh, right. based That's on right. colors in the same way that the small. They're all kind of are. the same. They're with ele- each other. they're all kind of elementally based. Um, we so here are we have family. We have all the earthy <laughs> in in the Thoth card and in my card. You see all the colors of Earth. Yeah, Mount Cook colors That's really. Right. That's right. But I do think of brown as a particularly Saturnine kind of color. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, color of dirt. The color <laughs> of dirt. The dirt queen. I don't get her a ton. Do you? You know, I get her here and there. Well, you know, the one theme I sort of saw throughout my journaling of this card was doing things with other women and Zoe. So, like, just women stuff, like mm-hmm. daughter, mother, um, you know, and in a fairly materialistic way, too, like shopping, mm-hmm. you know, or... That um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, which I don't do a lot of, but... I went to the Bridge of Flowers in Shelburne Falls with Zoe one time with this. So, you know, flowers and fruit, yeah, as in yeah. the, the Wade Smith one. Oh, here's a funny one. So Zoe and I went for a walk last August when we were in Port Jefferson, which is a place we sometimes go in the summertime. And one of the places we stopped of all the little shops on our way was a salt cave. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, one of those... Himalayan pink salt, salt of the things. earth. <laughs> yeah. And it was like they had like this giant salt cave in a shop where you could go for therapy kind of a thing. Yeah. I thought that was funny. But yeah, and I've also seen it for sort of like going to the pond, you know, mm-hmm. water and earth together. It's not the same type of literal thing. But when I get this card, it's usually just like a taken care of business kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sort of Capricornian sort yeah. of getting your ducks in a row, yeah. dotting the I's, crossing the T's. Definitely something of a sort of shut up and do your job kind of card. Like being a mom and making soup when people are sick and, you know. Also business tasks for sure. Yeah, for sure. Not just the homey stuff, but also the businessy stuff. Yeah, I think for both the king and queen, the knight and queen, I'll I'll get financial stuff for that. Sometimes with the page too, not so much with the prince knight. With, uh, With those three, I will. All right, shall we attempt to sum it up? Oh, sure. <laughs> All right, queen of the thrones of earth, queen of the gnomes, the dirt queen, the goat queen. Queen of the clods. <laughs> queen of the darkness. <laughs> Water of earth, the watery part of earth. Queen of the phase. That's right. Queen of Avalon. Queen Argine or Argea. The combination of Ananke, necessity, and Kronos time leading to Phanes, the Orphic egg. The light bringer. The cult of Dionysus, uh, the themes of resurrection and gestation, the descent and the climb, the solstice and the return of the light, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, the god Janus, the journey of the goat, uh, mutable fire to cardinal earth, uh, the burial and rebirth of the light, the temperance or art card and the devil, so the uh, the alchemical marriage um, leading to the gestation in darkness, the binding of Saturn, the tendrils and vines growing out of the seed so it can take root. Persephone all grown up and arisen, both the um, cause of death and darkness and the cause of light and growth. 
themes of Saturn, Saturn and Sagittarius and the Ten of Wands going into the Saturn-ruled signs of Capricorn, as well as sort of that Jupiter-Saturn polarity. Yeah, Jupiter-Saturn polarity, dark and light, Isis-Sneptus, deserts and oases, <laughs> uh, death and growth, all those um, opposites. Domination and tyranny versus constructive growth and work. The, the she-goat that suckled Zeus and uh, the Sanskrit word for she-goat meaning not born. Hexagram 31 shen meaning mutual influence. The pineapple as a symbol of hospitality and wealth. As well as the pinecone thyrsus of Dionysus. The <laughs> rabbit as a symbol of, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of the lunar themes and fertility themes as well. The Secret Mark passions. Goat, the Snake Eater. The 3D hexagram inside the Cube of Matter. And the Seed of Life with 13 rings and the 13 phases of the moon. Mm -hmm. The ambition of matter to take part in the great work of creation. Indeed. I think that sums it up for her. Yeah, pretty much. Fertility to the desert, roses. Yep, all that stuff. Alrighty. We did it. Looking good. Okay, so this has been the Song of the Goat Queen, which we are actually in her decan, uh, sorry, in her time as we, we record yep. this. So yep. hats off to Her Majesty in the time of Saturn. And we've got Saturn in Capricorn right now, as well as the sun. Yep. So there's all kinds of Capricorn space weather going on right now. Yeah, about to be more, too. Huh? Yes. <laughs> Not exactly a party, but hopefully we'll get everything done. There's that eclipse on the 5th. Oh, that that's right. We're going the, into Cancer Capricorn eclipses. Eclipse with the sun besieged by both Saturn in Capricorn and Pluto in Capricorn. It's like, oh, well, it's, that's super nasty. It's sand sandwiched in between them. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, we hope you survived all that since you're hearing this a couple weeks later. And uh, we will be back uh, next time with the knight or prince of pentacles or discs. See you then. <laughs>